0: Well, John, so I look at the calendar and it tells me that this is apparently Easter weekend. Training camp mm-hmm. is around the corner, but I walk outside and it, it feels like freaking Christmas. When is this going to end? Uh,
1: I know. this is. I'm just so sick of winter and so done with
0: winter. It was remarkable.
1: I cannot think of the last time I drove someplace, drove to my in-laws' place about an hour and a half from Saskatoon last night. And on my CRV, it said the air temperature was minus 29 yeah. in march at like 9:30 at night this is just just hell um climate change is clearly real because this has never happened before and i just i i, I man i'm so ready for football i'm so ready for just something to melt this is just i'm starting to go <laughs> stir crazy man
0: yeah it's pretty crazy and I, i'm not i'm I, Technically, I'm not supposed to be the guy that complains about the cold because I'm the guy who complains in the summer when it's too hot because this body, <laughs> this uh, lack of temple is not built for heat. So generally, I don't say anything during the winter. I keep my mouth shut. I just put more clothes on. I'm comfortable. But it's almost April. So let's, let's stop already. We want football season to get here already. We don't want to have training camp open up and people are still out there in their parkas.
1: Exactly. Although I, I do think <laughs> that people in Rider Nation would still show up to the University of Saskatchewan campus to watch the riders go through their paces in training camp, even in the 10 feet of snow that's probably all over the turf right now. I don't know how much the team would like it or a lot of the... Could you imagine being an American player coming up and seeing this kind of snow up here for the first time ever? <laughs> Man, is, your Seattle career is so done <laughs> the second step <laughs> off the plane.
0: <laughs> Some kid from, like... I don't know, somewhere in southern Alabama never seen snow in their life, and you get off the plane and it's minus 30 in May, and you're like, "Uh, (laughs) ah, what have I done? I've made a huge
1: mistake.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's when you just turn around
1: at customs and say, I'll take the next flight home.
0: Yeah, so uh, we've had a little bit of a self-imposed hiatus, because around here, we're not just going to talk for the sake of talking. We don't like our own voices as it is, so we don't really need to force our voices upon yourselves when there's nothing to talk about, but some stuff has happened recently, nothing too huge, but, and you know, there's been more quantity over quality, I guess, over the last little while for some to talk about. So, uh, you know, we'll get into CFL week. I was there. John was too lazy to come to Winnipeg. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I do have that job thing <laughs> that I need to pay those bill things, right, Joel? I
0: guess so. We'll get into uh, John Chick, who just retired recently. We'll talk about John Ojo, and we'll talk about uh, Jerron Carter and his enthusiasm for baking. So uh, we'll we'll get into all of that but first John uh, just uh, we'll talk about it a little bit so uh, what's in your glass this week? Um, you're going
1: to laugh. This is my uh, this is very uncharacteristic, but at face value I'm drinking a Budweiser this week. But 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 before you go
0: they hang oh, up on you.
1: You're being Exactly. Um,
0: (laughs) I'll just do the rest of this myself. It's okay.
1: Oh, all right. You might as well just ramble (laughs) along because I'm drinking a Budweiser. This Budweiser is the size of my forearm. My father-in-law was in Vegas. My mother and father-in-law are both there. He he was blown away at how large these beer cans were. It's like three beers in one can. I'm (laughs) like You know what? Hey, let's let's give it a shot. It is quantity over quality, just like the theme of this episode.
0: I guess I guess it's uh, somewhat a little fitting then. Maybe I don't know. I I got uh, <laughs> I got a white raven from Bench Creek. They're out of Alberta. It's a nice little IPA because it is Easter weekend, so it's got to be hoppy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, Dad joke. I like it. But uh, the cool little tidbit about Bench Creek is uh, their owner, Andrew, is actually originally from Pilot Butte, Saskatchewan, so a little bit of a local connection for them as well. Which is
1: Fantastic. Cool. No, I much would rather be drinking that, but uh, when you have three beers in one can, you don't plan on getting off the couch for the rest of the night. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's a convenience thing.
0: I won't ask why you're not getting off the couch when there's things you have to do to get off the couch in terms of when you're drinking beer, but anyway... <laughs> <clears throat> we don't need to know how you're accomplishing those things, I guess. So, well, we'll start with, I guess, the the, the newest thing to happen has happened recently, and that is the retirement of John Chick. I think if you watched John over the last year, year and a bit, this news isn't maybe so surprising. Uh, it's clear that age and father time and the wear and tear of football has. Caught up to Mr. Chick a little bit, at least in the last year with you know down year in Hamilton. And then he tried to revive it again at Edmonton. Still the yeah. great guy. Still the, still the great team player he always was. They're just clearly that step back. It happened like it happens to a lot of guys. It happened a little later to John's credit. He's been able to uh, fight off father time for a little while. But I think for me, the big thing that I'm going to remember about John Chick is just the man that he is. And the man that he'll continue to be in post-retirement, I'm sure. Because we've seen it across social media today across the traditional media too just the outpouring of support for this man who is clearly beloved from coast to coast by everyone in CFL circles because he is just what I'll remember is he's just the consummate professional whether the riders whether the riders were winning the Grey Cup or they were winning three games you knew that John Chick was going to put in the work every week he's going to put in the work every game and he was going to play every single snap like it was his last and he was not going to take a playoff
1: yeah, absolutely, and one of those guys you always love talking to. I remember one of my first training camps covering the Riders. Uh, it, it was really a privilege to talk to John Check. He's thoughtful, mm-hmm. he's well-spoken. Uh, I, it, it takes a bit because he's such a mountain of a man. And he doesn't yeah. have this loud, booming, boisterous voice, but everything that he says is eloquent, it's well put together, and again, just... It, a universally loved and respected man. And, uh, to say he's retiring, I am stealing this from Chris Cuthbert off of Twitter, but to say a man (laughs) with eight children is retiring, um, I'm sure he would have liked to keep playing uh, rather than than continue to, to have to go and deal with eight children. I, I Like, I have one in my house that is a, is a disaster. I couldn't imagine eight and the amount of work that would put in. But it is, it is great that John is going to get to spend some time with that large family. He's a man of value. He's a man of integrity. And it, it is good, too, to see him kind of going on his own terms you mentioned that yeah hamilton and edmonton last year wasn't his greatest of years but it's not like he's being cut and desperately trying to find a team and then signing a token one-day contract someplace no he saw the end of his career coming went out on his terms and it's a good way to uh, to go out for john chick although i do i have two very um very good memories of john chick not even from like the training camp days joel um yeah. the first time i met i i met john was at the first training camp interviewed him several times and he was one of those guys. He kind of he'd ask you how your day was going and stuff. So hmm. it was about a few. It was a few months later. It was after the season at a charity event, and I spotted John. And it was like a VIP reception. So John and I are talking, and uh, somebody walks up. A friend of mine says, "Hey, hey, Fraser, have you told me you're a bobber fan?" And there's this awkward silence. And John Chick <laughs> looks at me, not with rage, but with this disappointed, like, I felt like I had hurt him look in his eye. It's, it's a man like, who's
0: had several children probably disappointed from time to time. So he's he's, 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 he's given that look before, I'm sure. So he's, oh, oh, he's, yeah. he's very experienced when it comes to that.
1: It was disappointment <laughs> and sadness in his eyes. And he just looks, he's like, how can you cheer for them after getting to know us guys? And I genuinely felt shame. Like, if anything was going to make... <laughs> convert from from team to team it was going to be that moment so later on that evening um john in full disclosure he does not drink so when john chick's just having a good time he's having a good and sober time and he was relaxed and enjoying it so later on as the night goes on i had a friend of mine part of this event committee who was notorious for his leg wrestling skill like i'm a pretty good leg wrestler you know i got big calves and a fairly large badonkadonk I can flip most people, this guy made a mockery of me. So, the evening goes on. Again, this is after the season's done. So, finally, he convinces John Chick to leg wrestle him. And I don't think, really, John Chick knew what he was doing. But this legend of a man, this accountant with the leg of legend, took down John Chick in the first match of a best-of-three rag- leg wrestle. And then John Chick figured it out and beat him quite soundly the next two. But he is still... The only man to defeat the accountant with the glorious leg ever in a leg wrestle, at least
0: that I've seen. <laughs> as far as you've seen anyway, yeah, I mean, he's he's an athlete, so he's, he's going to figure that out. But I mean, hey, you, the, your accountant buddy there has a, a story that he'll be able to tell for the rest of his life. It's like a story I was told at uh, CFL Week by uh, Three Down Nations' John Hodge, where a buddy of his ended up in the Manitoba Playdowns, and they were basically a beer league team. They were kind of like if you or I were out there trying to compete against the best in Manitoba, right? Yeah. Where there's, and of course, the Manitoba playdowns, where I know we're getting into some hashtag 8 nation stuff here, but... Yes! I love it! And so what happened was, apparently he told the story, so they managed to get their way into this. I forget the exact backstory, but the fact was, they were the 32 seed, and they had to play the 1 seed in the first matchup, which, John, as you know, <laughs> would mean they were playing Mike McEwen in the very first yep. game. And they got slaughtered, but they achieved their goal in that game and that was to score a single point against Mike McEwen, and they did it. <laughs> By God, they scored a point against Mike McEwen. And you know what? I would be so proud if I did that too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would too. I think I'd be even more proud to do it now <laughs> that Mike has joined up with uh, my good friend Colin Hodgson on uh, Team Reed Carruthers to form a Manitoba super team there. Um, I, I don't think I'd get a single point on them, Joel. I think you I and I, play we could play a 16 end game and not end up getting a single point.
0: That's probably fair unless unless he literally like said, "Okay, enough is enough. I'm just going to bump you win so we'll just stop the charade already." <laughs> <laughs> Something like that.
1: World's longest curling game. We'll we'll do it for for charity.
0: Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so that's 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 completely unrelated but kind of related at the same time, but it does kind of transition us into CFL week, which just happened uh, last weekend. Yeah, over. you were
1: in Winnipeg. It looked I like did. you were having a great time.
0: Yeah, it, it was fun. You know, it's uh, outside of actually being involved with the CFL stuff. It's always fun to be, you know, be hanging around with Drew and Dunk and Haji and all those guys, because I really only see Haji about once a year, because he only makes it out to about CFL week, because he is a teacher as his day job. So, Grey yeah. cup doesn't really work out for him timing-wise, understandably so. so. No, I mean, it was fun. It was a good time. I... The CFL made some interesting tweaks to the week overall because I didn't remember until I got there that last week's CFL week started on like Tuesday in Regina. It didn't start. Right. It didn't start until Thursday in Winnipeg. But the organized overall, the league seemed fairly happy with it. They said the the you know the day numbers were pretty good. They were above Regina for in terms of like the crowd during the day when the families and all that kind of stuff is coming. The nights maybe weren't as strong. The combine seemed fairly well attended. So overall, I think it was it was. Maybe not the smashing success that we saw last year, but that partly because of expectations last year where no one had any idea what to expect out of this thing. So they go to Winnipeg. It looks like it did fairly well. It doesn't mean it still can't get better. We'll get into that for a second in terms of some changes that they made that I'm not really sure a lot of them were good ideas and maybe some different things they can do going forward. But being there, it seemed fun. It seemed well attended. It seemed like Winnipeg embraced this. Even though, I mean, you can't blame them right now because Jets mania has taken over that city with how darn good that hockey team is, but they, were still, they were still able to pay attention to this event and give it the attention it deserves with, a, with some caveats and some things that need to change going forward. I guess it's from the outside, John, what did you th- maybe think of what you saw about from the week?
1: Well, I I I found it was almost a little muted on on social media, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, there was some stuff going on, and maybe that's just because of the spread of people I follow. But like, I'm a Jets fan, I'm a Bombers fan. My dad's from Winnipeg, so I'm all, I got lots of family in the city, so. My my feed is very Winnipeg centric, right? Like a lot of Winnipeg radio personalities, a lot of uh, obviously Winnipeg sports reporters, uh, a lot of CFL guys, a lot of a lot of fellow podcasters. And it just seemed oddly quiet on social media. The the pictures I saw and the people I spoke to uh, said, yeah, it was well attended. Seems like people were having a good time. But uh, it just it was like when it was in Regina, Every time I opened up my feed it was like this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. While Winnipeg it seemed to be an afterthought I would also say largely because of the jet success, but it was just surprising to me that there wasn't more, you know, exposure, especially in some of the local media channels or maybe some more of the local media guys covering it and again like i said you know it's th- that city is a little jets crazy right now but mm. i don't know fr- from an outsider perspective it looked like a fun event a good event a well organized event but it just didn't seem to have that oomph that uh at least exposure wise that it, it did while it was in regina now that being said one place i did pleasantly notice a lot more exposure uh was and and you actually wrote an article uh, talking about this mm-hmm. I believe it was you, uh, with uh, Rogers Sportsnet now having a chunk of the Toronto Argos. And and you're watching Randy Ambrosio on with Tim and Sid, which is almost unheard of back in the day. And and actually getting, you know, some love, some respect out of Rogers Media. But it was, yeah, it was oddly muted. Like, it, 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 it seemed good. And that just worries me, you know, where else can you go with this event, is what I say. You know, can you really... Do you want to put it in Edmonton? Do you maybe... I I get you can't move it later. I mean, you can't have it in May because training camps have started unless you run it in conjunction with a team's training camp, but then you can't have your best players there. But I just think that CFL Week in its current incarnation is destined for three markets.
0: Maybe. I I don't know if that's entirely fair, but...
1: But but I I would say this thing would be a large success in Regina... Winnipeg, Ottawa, and Hamilton. I think it goes over like a wet blanket in Montreal, Toronto. I would even dare say Edmonton, Calgary, depending on how their local hockey teams are doing. You know, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. And I I don't know if it's going to become that that mass appeal thing that people are going to travel for that they're kind of hoping for.
0: Well, no, we, we discussed that a lot at CFLE, kind of where this event is headed. I, I think it's unrealistic to expect it to be Grey Cup 2, where you get people right. traveling great distances for this thing. You might get, like, I've decided for me personally, I'll go to this thing if it's within driving distance. Unless the yep. Redown Nation wants to start flying me out to these things, I'm not going to go to them if I have to fly. So that leaves out, that puts me, if it's in Edmonton, Calgary, or Winnipeg, or Regina, or I guess maybe even Saskatoon, who knows, I'll go But it seems like it's an event that's going to be built largely on the success of the locals. And it has to be the locals that come out to do this. And I think we saw that. It was best highlighted on the Friday when they had the bomber, the whatever they wanted, the bomber's tailgate, touchdown, Manitoba, whatever they called it Of this thing. They had it in the afternoon from like 3 to 6. And we were all sitting there thinking, why would you do this in the afternoon? You're the host team. Then it turned yeah. out they wanted to make it basically a tailgate for the Jets, which actually was a really smart idea for them playing yeah, that night. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. That was really smart of the game, and then they had Ryderville that night, so apparently the league had asked the Riders to try this. Now, whether Ryderville continues at CFL Week in the future is another question, because, well, me and the crew, we got there. It was, it was granted, it was a little later, because we had some work to do and some other things to do, so we didn't really get to Ryderville till. the 10 30, 11 and there was it was basically a ghost town most of the people were there were league employees or they were lead, employees of the booze sponsors or whatever but so yeah. i don't know how well that event particularly went over at night especially up against the jets game so because i did for the most part there were a lot of bomber jerseys around there were a lot of bomber fans around which is good Yeah. And so it clearly it looks like the future of this event is okay we put it somewhere We got to make sure that people in town come out because we can't really expect other people to show up from this thing. Anyone that comes from another city for this essentially is gravy because based on what you do with this event paying a few hundred dollars a night over a course of a few nights to stay at a hotel isn't really worth it so if you go somewhere and you have family to stay with you might do it but for the most part I think for the average Joe it's not really worth it now in terms of the league exposure you talked about this and I thought it was interesting One when I watched when you looked at this week compared to last week's because I remember last year the CFL on their Facebook page, they did the CFL live every single day. They had different yep. events. There was a lot of different things. And even at the Fan Fest, they had panels like I think every day talking, you could talk to these players this day, these players this day, these coaches this day. And there was none of that in Winnipeg. They did the CFL live one night. They had players out for autographs most days and nights, which was fine. But there still wasn't really the opportunity to like sit down and really ask these guys a lot of questions. It was kind of more the, the line of autographs you get your 10 seconds and you're out so i I wonder what made them think that was a good way to go because i think the interactivity the being able to really you know connect and talk to these players on a different level compared to just getting an autograph and moving on with your life was something that i think worked in regina it might work going forward you say hey here's a panel of you know four different players from four different teams go ahead and ask them anything And you're just the fans. This isn't even from a media perspective. The media thing was the same thing. It was fine. It was great. The fan perspective, I'm like, well, I didn't You took away something from last year's that was kind of cool and didn't really replace it with anything similar. And that is kind of what stood out to me. I think the Thursday to Sunday worked a lot better than Tuesday to Sunday, especially outside of Regina. It might have been a little Mm -hmm. long. But the fact that there wasn't these panels for the fans to talk to, I found that an interesting as an interesting decision by the league. Uh
1: I, w- I, w- I would agree, because I, I as someone that's been to several Grey Cups, I've been... Uh, I was almost surprised the first Grey Cup I went to is how popular the fan state of the league is because fans mm-hmm. get to walk in and ask the commissioner questions. Like, we're talking, that's at, like... 10 a.m. on a Saturday when you know everybody's been boozing until everything got shut down the night before and yeah. everybody's still there with bells on for their chance to interact and and yeah, that it seemed like even from an outsider, that was, that was taken away and that was one of the things that makes our game unique is the ability to connect with these guys because you alluded to it, you know, just the 10 seconds handshake autograph. Uh, uh, again, you can do that at most practice fields, you know, teams are good enough to stick around and yeah. Get a couple autographs, so I, I think it did lack something, and I hope they look at going back to the other direction.
0: Absolutely, and so we'll we'll see what happens next year. There's a talk about it going to Edmonton. I think with Edmonton doing Grey Cup this year, that's a bit much. It looks like Calgary's probably going to be hosting Grey Cup in 2019, so they don't work. So. Hamilton, can the city council there can decide what the heck's going on with that stadium and the (laughs) litigation, so it seems like they're forever screwed. Sorry for everyone in Hamilton because, frankly, Hamilton, I think, deserves this. They deserve the Grey Cup next year more than anything, but if they can't get that, they should at least figure something out to get this thing there, to give the city of Hamilton something for how good of a market it's been for this league for so long, but... So to me, I guess, I mean with you, to me that leaves Ottawa as a logical spot for this next year because the Western markets, as I've said, don't really work. Vancouver, you can't go there yet. There's way too much going on there. So it seems like it's Ottawa next year because there's some people have suggested Halifax, but I'm like, let's hold off on that. I think we discussed this a little bit in Winnipeg, where you maybe take it to Halifax. So if you say, okay, in 2022, we know the Atlantic Schooners are going to start playing football. So like yep. that I mean, off season, the off season before that, that's when you bring it there to try and get some interest going.
1: I would, I would absolutely agree, and 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 I think two other cities that it could work in as well. Uh, would kind of be like your Quebec City. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's well, a lot City of... Well, Quebec City would love
0: the Combine because half the people there are from Laval anyway, so... Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. I mean,
1: and, and that's that's what I think the draw would be. And I and I think, and maybe it's because I live here, but I think Saskatoon would work. And even, even would. to that, I, I almost think Saskatoon wonder would work,
0: it. yeah.
1: Saskatoon is almost one of those other cities that, uh, that, it, it, that we're... You know, there's so much provincial pride for the riders. There's so many sports fans here. There's a lot that goes on, but I mean if CFL week came here to Saskatoon, your only competition is a blades team that is completely irrelevant. That people aren't going to games anymore. And the lacrosse team that everybody loves that, uh, that's really only going on once a week. Right. I mean, so your Saturday, your Saturday night, a CFL week, just, Hey, go to the rush. Say, Hey, do you mind playing out of town that weekend? Yeah, no problem. If the rush of a road game, people would love it on a Saturday night. I, Ryderville would be just jam-packed if the word comes come to Saskatoon.
0: Yeah. As long as Saskatoon has a good indoor... Facility that's readily available available that fans can go to because the turf was an issue in Winnipeg for day one of the combine where they had this yeah this the carpet laid down that wasn't very good at all and players were slipping all over it and it was affecting forty times but other than that it was it was a well run event and there isn't there isn't really too much to complain about in terms of this especially when it comes to this league that has made some pretty big blunders in the past.
1: Well, absolutely, and and, and Saskatoon just to just to vouch for the city I I'm proud to call home. Um, Saskatoon, A, you'd have the big convention center at Prairie Land Park where you could do all the fan stuff. And then B, as well, um, we do have the, the soccer center here that has some indoor turf that's permanently installed. And as far as I know, is, is decent enough. I've never played on the stuff myself, but I haven't heard a lot of negative things. So that's where your combine could easily be held.
0: All right, so switching gears, uh, the riders in the news a little bit again this week. One you know, kind of a positive situation, the other kind of a... Not so much, but kind of funny at the same time situation. We'll start with uh, the latest edition. Uh, we're signing defensive back John Ojo. He spent some time down south after time in Edmonton. This is an, for me, this is another one of those signings where, in a vacuum, it's great. Yep. The guy clearly is a very good football player, and anyone in the CFL would want him on their team. Yep. The issue for me remains, and I know I'm beating the, the the dead horse here again, this is another guy that they've signed that they're bringing in to make their team better because they haven't developed anyone. And to me, that just continues to be the main issue here. Individually, all these guys they've signed, I have zero issue with in a vacuum. But when you look at the big picture, it's like, okay, at some point you have to start figuring out something internally or this house of cards is going to fall again. Like it did in 2015.
1: Well, well, and that's it. You're starting. I'm starting to see some parallels here. Maybe not to the degree of 2013 when they were hosting the Grey Cup, but yeah. you're starting to see the Riders in on every really top free agent. They're signing their own top guys, Canadian or American. They're throwing out money. They're. I, I mean, they're going to be a cap team, if not slightly over in that. Okay, you were over the cap. Let's give you the little well, slappy on the wrist here.
0: The first hundred k I mean, over is a luxury tax, anyway. So if I was the riders, I'd go over all the time because you can afford it. But that's another, exactly. that's another discussion. That's another discussion. <laughs> exactly.
1: That's another discussion for another day. But for today, as you mentioned, the Ojo signing in a vacuum is is fantastic. And but it goes back to you and I are both big believers that you know when they assembled this management super team and they brought in Chris Jones and. And everything started happening. They wanted to be the Calgary Stampeders, where everybody seemingly comes out of nowhere. Next thing you know, they're one of the top players in the league, and they've got those guys behind them. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) you put it best, Joel, it is appearing again like a house of cards in 2013. Sign all the biggest names. Sign all the best players you can. Hope for success that year. And then, well, just hope that that it's not too bad of a sting if you haven't developed anybody. So does it make them better for this year? Absolutely. Does it continue to solidify them as a Grey Cup contender? Absolutely. Does Mm -hmm. it mean they're going to be a Grey Cup contender in two years? I think, again, they're taking a step back because there's another guy that you're not developing, and there's more playing time for a guy you're giving big money to who's also taking up a spot for a guy to develop.
0: Yeah, eventually, this is not to say that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders can't win a Grey Cup this year or next I think that could entirely happen and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's the plan is to say, hey, we need to do whatever we can to win a Great Cup this year, great, that's fine. Just come out and say it and just go for it. And then I have no yep. issues with that. But for me, I mean this is just a personal not not, not personal maybe it's wrong, but it's just how I view sports. I'm kind of I'm a roster build nerd kind of guy. And yep. I wish this were if the league was had more transparency where we knew the we knew the money, we knew the contract lengths, we knew everything so we could play with the cap. And see how pieces fit in because I do that in hockey. I do that not quite as much in the NFL because the NFL cap is kind of complicated. But in the NHL, I do it a lot, Where I, especially with my teams. I sit there and I look. and I'm like, okay, you get rid of these guys and, you know, the cap works better. And you can add, you know, this, 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 and this. And yep. you can't do that in the CFL. And for me, I just think the riders are just adding and adding and adding and adding. And, adding. and there's this it – it feels like eventually something is going to happen because we see it across the world in sports. I mean, other than baseball where there is no cap per se. Eventually, yep. when off all you, if your entire development system basically is free agency, you can win short term, but it's always in, in the long run, it's never going to work out, and that just continues to be my point in this. And I mean, I don't really know what else there is to say about that when it comes to this at that point.
1: No, no, exactly. You're right, Joel. It, it jo- John Ojo makes them better in the long term, though. You know, it, it's going to make them better this year, maybe into next but again they're not going to hit that level of consistency that Calgary and even Edmonton starting to achieve now uh, on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, and well we'll see where it goes and that's basically all you can say there. Another guy that they've signed last year, or they re-signed this year and has had an interesting off season, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. is is Deron Carter. And there was the news last week at CFL Week reported by TSN's Dave Naylor that it looks like that his pot possession charges are essentially going to be relegated to nothing if not thrown out because it appears that they were just pot cookies, which kind of, (laughs) obviously that shows the weight (laughs) difference between a a, a huge pile of pot and just a few cookies because there's a a discrepancy there. So, I mean, it's kind of funny. This would, of course, happen to Duran. And... And I think the interesting thing that came really out of this whole thing was the fact that CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosie, two, three down, Nations, Drew Edwards said, "We just need to we need to think about the future and how we enforce pot ourselves with the legal changes that are coming at some point in this country." I think that's really the only question around this because. It was kind of a non-issue for the most part, it seemed like, and now it it, it definitely is at this point.
1: Well, yeah, because, I mean, the original weight that you had heard on both occasions, you were thinking, oh, my goodness, this is a considerable amount of pot. These could be serious charges. And then when you find out it's cookies, and then which percentage of the cookie is the actual pot, and then you're going, oh, okay, well, now this is just silly. This stuff's going to be legal here in a few months. Yeah, it completely changes the ballgame. Um, I, I think, and I think the league is doing the smart thing. There's a real good chance that, by at least week two of this season from the sounds of it. The stuff's going to be legal here in Canada. Yeah. And I think if his if his charges get thrown out, which all indications are that, that, that they will, um, I, I don't think the league needs to act in any kind of way other than tell them, hey, maybe don't offer a border guard a pot cookie because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, or, 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 hey, listen, Duran, get better at baking so you can like hide the smell. Like, make him in lemon or something. How the hell would you ever pick up the smell of an edible when it was like lemon? Because lemon has such a hard, you know, like le- uh, edible lemon bars. I got a great lemon bar recipe, Duran. I'm sure you got a great recipe how to make the thing into the stuff. Um, I'll send you my recipe. I feel like it would be beneficial to you in, in the whole you not getting arrested again thing.
0: <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned Deron Carter getting better at baking and you have the lemon recipe and everything because driving home today, I was thinking about it and I don't know why this thought came to my head and I was like, wouldn't it be great if Deron Carter now appeared on some kind of baking challenge show? <laughs> I, I think there's one, there's one someone was telling me about, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to get around to it on Netflix called Nailed It where apparently it is average people compete in some kind of baking championships. Now, it's not like the ones where these people have no idea what they're doing. They kind of have a general idea of how to make something. So then they, yep. And then they just get told, okay, you are, tonight you are making an apple pie, go. And then it becomes a thing. So I thought, oh my god, how amazing would it be on this episode if Daron Carter showed up and it was a cookie challenge. Well, I would oh, watch oh. the heck out of that episode. <laughs> CFL that wants like- to get through to millennials get him on nailed it on Netflix <laughs> or or
1: go back to like <laughs> remember when they first brought over Iron Chef like the poorly dubbed Iron Chef Yeah. and there was always the big dramatic secret inv- ingredient reveal yeah. what if you had Deron Carter on that and it was like the secret ingredient is pot <laughs> and then he makes his best pot cookie you know and it's and we can badly dub it Yeah. and it'll be fantastic uh, I would again I'm with you I'd watch the heck out of that
0: yeah, that even better is there's the show beat Bobby Flay. So if he can get through someone else on something, he can go up against Bobby Flay and and his signature dish could be pot cookies, and Bobby would just be like, uh, what?" That'd be so good.
1: I bet you, I bet you Bobby Flay knows how to make a good pot cookie.
0: Oh, probably. I don't know. He looks like well, he, he, he's, he's, like not, a he's guy not great. Can he's not great, great at baking. That's his thing. He could probably make up he can make something with pot and Fresno chilies, but I don't know about uh, a cookie. Could we make a pot pot roast? Probably.
1: Yeah. Whoa! Just blew your mind.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we. <laughs> I think
1: we just it. I think I'm just gonna leave. I'm gonna hang up on you. Boom.
0: Done. Yeah. Uh, we have. I promise you, there have been no cookies made or eaten during the recording of this broadcast. Just half my giant Budweiser. <laughs> yeah.